All right, welcome back to another daily reflection on the Daily Vedantic. Today's episode is on the history of yoga. Yoga is a word that comes from the Sanskrit root yuj, which means to join. Yoga means unity, union. The history of yoga is not for someone that maybe is here in LA, is not uh, a physical exercise that came to the US in the 90s and has now taken this city and the rest of the US by storm. Yoga has classically meant three disciplines that were about union with the divine, union with the supreme. The yoga that we think of here in the West, the asanas, the postures, downward dog, postures that are hard to master, that is a phenomenal way to tone the body and is classically called hatha yoga. That is a great system of exercise, strength training, making the body more limber. It's great. It's phenomenal. You can get a lot out of spending 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day doing such exercises. But if you were to ask an Indian throughout history about yoga, that would be one of the last things that comes to mind. Classically, there have been three conventional yogas. And this is, again, foreign to us in the West because we've just been introduced in the last few decades to physical yoga, hatha yoga. But for many Indians, yoga will, will refer to three different disciplines. Karma yoga, yoga of service, bhakti yoga, yoga of devotion, and jnana yoga, yoga of knowledge. You might have some other types of yoga in there. In fact, now around the world, there is goat yoga, there is paddleboarding yoga. There are more types of yoga popping up every single day around the world, but classically speaking, there were three types of yoga, karma, bhakti, and jnana. These were the classifications of approaches and exercises for union with the divine, not necessarily for strengthening the body. Hatha yoga, and this might be controversial for some, like I said, beneficial for the body, but it was largely regarded as that's the yoga you pursue if you can't handle service, devotion, or studying the words of the masters, then you should try to rein in your mind and your compulsions with standing on your head. That is partially tongue-in-cheek, but partially historically accurate. It would be like saying eating bread is the same as the Eucharist for a Catholic. It's part of it, but it's missing the most important parts. A firm body, that is mentioned in the Upanishads. Having a toned body is actually, it's quite the virtuous thing. But the point is to advance beyond just a firm body that is not distracting us from these other types of approaches to union with the divine. Service, devotion, and knowledge. And within these three types, one of my favorite aspects about Vedanta is that within this philosophy, there are no shoulds, should nots. There is no creed in which if you accept any of it, you got to accept all of it. You can leave so much of it on the shelf if it's not something that resonates with you. And even within the philosophy, there's the view that there are as many paths to God as there are people on earth. To study Vedanta does not mean you need to not go to church or that you no longer can practice Jewish traditions or Islamic traditions. In fact, it was best said by a friend of mine that he said that Vedanta makes the Christian a Christian, the Jew a Jew, the Muslim 
a Muslim. This philosophy paired with whatever religious upbringing you might have or religious uh, tradition you might practice, it's a phenomenal enlivening complement. I can speak from my own perspective when I say that my appreciation of Christ, who's mentioned by my teacher, Swami Parthasarthi, as much as Shiva or Krishna, my appreciation for Christ has grown tenfold. I, I actually read his, his words in the Gospels, and they have far more weight than what I felt like was a, almost like a caricature of a philosopher when I was in my teens. But back to these three approaches to union with the divine, karma, service, that is serving those around you. That might be like a, an approach of Mother Teresa's or bhakti, devotion. That might be an approach like much of conventional Christianity is very devotional, where you're devoting your time, your life, your practice, your energy towards a higher power. And then jnana, knowledge, which is reflecting on the words of the masters. It is listening to a lecture and reflecting on it, not just listening to it, not hearing it, as Shankara, a great sage within Vedanta once said, reflection is a hundred thousand times more powerful than listening. So something's in one ear, out the other. If you hear something that stops you in your tracks, you scroll through Instagram, you send it to a friend, the next day you can't remember it. It's because there needs to be a cultivation of reflection. And jnana yoga is the reflection on the words of the masters. That is, it could be reading St. Augustine. It could be reading the Gospels. It could be reading Chakra. It could be reading the Bhagavad Gita. But that reflection, that is jnana yoga. Though hatha yoga, the physical yoga, takes place in all the yoga studios around where you likely live, that is a part of the approach to the day to keep the body firm so that it's not a distraction from the other three. But at the ashram, Vedanta Academy, for example, the focus is on these three, karma yoga, bhakti yoga, and jnana yoga. Service, devotion, and the words of the masters, knowledge. And they ladder up to each other as well. Your service is in a devoted direction. Your devotion is towards those around you, towards a teacher, towards the masters, towards that reflection of their words. And then finally, studying and reflecting on those words themselves. Ultimately, within Advaita Vedanta, the view is that the knowledge will then cascade within the others. Those will feed back into the knowledge. And the knowledge is, Jnana Yoga is seen like taking a G6 jet to where you want to go, to union with the divine. And others can absolutely get you there. And many are not wired for the neonic path. One in 10,000 might be wired for these reflections each day. Maybe one in 100,000. It is certainly not the expectation that many are wired to find these daily reflections, to find the words of the masters. Fascinating. Worth reflecting on. But if you do, 
then the nice thing is that it's kind of like the G6 to where you want to go. Whereas the others, the karmic path, can absolutely get you there. And in the absolute sense, whatever gets you there is what gets you there. But that is the distinction of the three classical yogas. There are other yogas, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, you've got uh, Raja Yoga, you've got Kriya Yoga, you have many others, especially that have popped up in the last six, seven, eight hundred years. But classically, over the last few thousand, these three are the classical yogas, karma, bhakti, and jnana. This has been today's reflection on the Daily Vedantic. We'll see you tomorrow.